From the world of Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles, now streaming only on Paramount Plus. Yes! Good morning, Bucknutters. It is Tuesday, April 14th, 2020. I am Dan Rubin. This is the Bucknuts Morning 5 and Change. If it's Tuesday, it can mean only one thing. Dwayne Long has joined us. Dwayne, how goes it? The main thing we'll be watching out for this afternoon, straight line wind gusts. We could see some wind gusts up to about 60 miles per hour, and that will be priority number one for us. So right now, this is our setup, a big dome of high pressure across the southeast. Remember, that's sinking air that compresses at the surface. That means it's really hot air. Wait a minute. That wasn't Dwayne. Dwayne, how goes it? Oh, uh, right now, I'm just going to warn everybody listening that uh, there's a squirrel in the trees, and my dogs are losing their minds. So if if, uh, if you hear my dogs, that's what's going on. Always a sign of good luck to hear the pooches in the background. What do you do during the coronavirus? You go to the fans. We asked Buck Nutters, is there anything you want Dwayne and I to speak on? You guys had plenty of great ideas, so many that some of them will actually be used for entire shows, but we're going to go through the thread here and hit the ones we can handle. Starting at the top, from Euclid Buck 004, let's compare the 2002 defense to the 2019 defense. For those who don't remember, the 2002 defense did very well in the 2003 Fiesta Bowl. It is the Will Smith, Matt Wilhelm, Dustin Fox, Chris Gamble squad quarterback by Craig Krenzel, but he asked to compare the defense to last year, which has produced uh, two future top draft picks. Your thoughts on comparing the two when you look at each roster? The the, the what stands out to me about uh, uh, the 2002 defense is they were just a bunch of tough-minded, disciplined football players that were going to do their job. They were well coached. Uh, do this, and we will win. And they were just guys that were they were going to bring it every down. Not the most gifted guys in the world. I mean, you didn't see a lot of guys from that defense making it into the NFL. Uh, you know, you had Will Smith, of course. He was a superstar. Matt Wilhelm banged around for a few years. Gamble was, uh, you know, he was an elite at the NFL level for a while. You just didn't see a bunch of guys coming off that defense that uh, that were, uh, you know, going to, going to do well at the combine, you know, they weren't going to do well in the t-shirt and, and shorts uh, parade. Uh, you know, Kenny Peterson was another. Uh, you know, they were just uh, guys that were going to be gritty and they were going to out-tough you. You weren't going to move them. They were going to do their jobs. And what did they do? They just really stifled uh, a, a roster that was so much better. So much more talent, so much more speed, and they just beat them. Uh, you know, they, we always go back to the interference thing. The Miami people love to bring that up, and it drives me crazy. I had to step away from several of those discussions because I go back to the 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 conversion that the the ref did not give us 
the first down on a reception, I think it was by Jenkins, that it was clearly inbounds, and we would have run out the clock. We would have never ended up in that situation if the referees made made the uh, the right call in the first place. So uh, that that team, it was just one of those had enough stars, you know, that they could uh, make something happen, and then a bunch of guys that were just going to grind you, do their jobs, and uh, they were going to set up for. Uh, set you up to, to beat you. Uh last year's team, I mean I mean, look, uh Dan said it earlier, you got uh a couple of guys that are probably going to go number two and three in the draft. And that doesn't include some of the other guys that uh that are likely going to be NFL draft picks eventually. Sean Wade probably would have been a first rounder if he would have went out this year. He's another in there. And and on the defensive line, we got a couple of guys that are probably going to go in the top one or two rounds. So it's just physically this this last year's team was just so much better. Uh just a bunch of guys that were just elite athletes in addition to being uh great football players. That team 2002, the one area they were better at was uh, linebacker. They were better at linebacker. But everywhere else, you looked at that superior talents. There's as good as Chris Gamble was. You taking him over Jeff Okuda? No, you're not. No way. Not going to take him over Sean Wade. No, you're not going Mm -hmm. to. So, uh, and Chase Young is the best player in the draft. Uh, As good as Will Smith was, you you would take Chase Young. No, he's not Chase. So, you know. It's just it's just the way it is. So uh, that's how I would look at the differences between the two. What's interesting about the 2002 team is the guys who ended up being more highly drafted were young. A.J. Hawk was a freshman. Bobby Carpenter was a freshman, both first-round draft picks. Will Allen was a backup safety. He had a long pro career. Aside from that, the biggest difference in the team, really, no offense. Craig Krenzel versus Justin Fields, a little bit of a difference. But we digress. Let's get back to the questions. Next one. This is from Buckeye Warrior. Talk about the winning streak against Michigan, why Harbaugh is a failure. Uh, Why do you think they've dominated Michigan so thoroughly the last few years? Well, uh, there's two things, and I don't know how you can argue. I know that uh, we watched, what's his name, Sean Deese, uh, Steve Deese, uh, who's a really objective. Yeah, he's a really objective guy, but... He's still trying to say that that uh, the Ohio State recruiting is not that much better than Michigan's, which I think is just a way for him to go after his main target, which is he thinks Jim Harbaugh should go, and he's right about that. Um, but Ohio State just – we're not competing for the same kids. We're just not. Michigan is not winning head-to-head battles against the Ohio State recruiting board. That's where it starts. And then, uh, you know, his his uh, point about development, what they are getting, they're not making anything out of. Michigan's not not uh, uh, challenging for uh, to go in the top ten of the first round. They're not putting guys in there. And Ohio State's always in the mix and usually has somebody going in at at that point. So uh, there is, I believe it starts with recruiting. Um, I've mentioned this on the show several times. John Harbaugh, Jim Harbaugh's brother, 
says he's a weird guy. He said it. He, I, I watched the words come out of his mouth. He did it on uh, worldwide television. And we've just seen examples pop up regularly about Jim Harbaugh's a weird guy. And kids don't want to go there and, you know, their head coach is somebody they don't want to hang out with. Uh, It goes back there, and then the development has not happened. Also, Jim Harbaugh is playing football from his era. It doesn't work. It worked better at the pro level than it would at this at at uh, the college level. The college level game is just so wide open, RPO, uh, all kinds of things are going on. It all goes back to the past. And Jim Harbaugh wants to just pound the ball, even though he doesn't have good backs. Uh, it, that's what he wants to do. I, I think you could almost look at Wisconsin for a comparison. That's what he wants to do. Well, Wisconsin's not beating Ohio State and not winning national championships either. Can't play that kind of game now. That's what I think is going on with, with Michigan and Ohio State. I'm surprised Harbaugh has struggled the way he has. Even not getting into the Ohio State-Michigan rivalry, he hasn't done as well against the other teams in the Big Ten as I expected. To me, the Wisconsin-Michigan game this year, if I was a Michigan fan, that would have been the last straw. Wisconsin beat them like they stole something. Came a whole narrative about how they found something in the second half. You can't go down four touchdowns to a team like Wisconsin. So I don't think he's developed quarterbacks very well. He's had the Midas touch everywhere he went. Starting his first year with the Oakland Raiders, he had one year as a quarterback's coach in the NFL, and Rich Gannon won the MVP. And we know what he did with Josh Johnson at the University of San Diego and Andrew Luck, et cetera, Colin Kaepernick. He just hasn't been able to attract or develop a great quarterback at Michigan, and I don't see one on the roster now. So Next, Farge J. I never know how to pronounce that one. He had a really good couple questions here. We're going to turn that into an entire show. Because you're talking top tens and top fives, and we need to do research on those. One bad buck. If Trey Sermon gets hurt and can't play more than four games, would they let him redshirt and return 21, or is this one and done? I've never heard that question asked. It's a good one. What do you think? I I don't think that that uh, it, it, they would bring him back. No. Uh, and here's the thing: they were we have recruited so well. What our problem is right now is injuries and youth. There's there's no way that uh, we would bring Sermon back. Now, if we go through another spell of injuries like this, they'll at least consider it. But I don't believe that that they're going to bring him back. In addition to how many knee injuries is that for him if he goes down? Again? I was just going to say, yeah, that's my point. If he gets hurt again, he then falls into the category of being referred to as oft-injured Trey Sermon. And there's no way you're going to spend an extra year on a 22- or 23-year-old guy. I have to look that up. With a bad knee that's been operated on multiple times. When at Ohio State, you can get an 18-year-old who is better and healthier. Da-da-da-da. Let's see here. Pick a position or two and discuss how a potential delay to start the season affects your prediction of the depth chart at that position. A delay in the season, obviously, for us as running back. Getting guys healthy. I don't know if we go after Trey Sermon. I like him. I'm really impressed with him. I think he could be the starter here. But that has a lot to do with, uh, especially Crowell, 
uh, not being healthy. He's, I think, the best pure running Crowley. back on the roster. Crowley. Why do I keep wanting to call that kid Crowell? Crowell. Uh, Crowley, uh, he's the best uh, running talent on the roster. I don't – well, until Travion Henderson arrives. But uh, getting these guys healthy, I don't know if we go after Sermon. If if uh, Teague doesn't hurt his Achilles and if uh, uh, Crowley is fully healthy and we know he's going to be fully healthy for the fall. Uh, I think we, we stick with what we got, if that's the case. we got Mayan Williams coming in, and, of course, you got Steel Chambers there who's just looking for an opportunity. And he's the guy that could pop up number two here. I think Sermon's going to be number one. And as long as that's working, I don't know how much pressure we're going to want to put on Teague, especially with that Achilles tendon. That's just such a devastating injury. Well, let's talk about knees, but Achilles tendon. That when that goes, it's you're in trouble. You, have you ever seen anybody who's really the same as far as as far as speed and explosiveness when it, after they've had an Achilles injury? I can't think of one. Uh, guys seem to come back from knee injuries. Now, multiple knee injuries—that's another matter. But I've seen guys take uh, knee injuries and and just. Uh, come right back, be be pretty much the same back they were. We would go with what we got, let's just say that, if um, if not for the injuries. I'm not as positive as everybody else seems to be that Sermon is just going to step in as the number one running back. i got to see them all carry the ball, especially after they've been hurt. I mean, Steel Chambers is the only one you mentioned besides Mayan Williams that's coming in with fresh legs. I have high hopes for Steel Chambers. To me, he's the forgotten guy in the discussion. Sermon, to me, also fits best as a third down back. I think that's his future, a bigger blocker and a great receiver type. But we shall see if he's fully healthy. Obviously, he'd probably be the favorite, but he has not tried <laughs> as a running back as much as one might think, given how he played against Ohio State the last time we saw him. So bank that one. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts. This is from Aiden 2013. Early names for the 2022 class. I will say I am not up to speed yet enough to speak on that. Are there a few names in 2022? Oh, we, it, it's the best Ohio class we've had in a few years. Uh, there's some real nice players out there right now. But as far as speaking on them, you know, when they're that young, there are very few guys that, that are really like, there's just no way he's going to miss. Uh, but it's a very promising class here in Ohio overall. Uh, I'm just trying to think of some names off the top of my head. and uh, Around me I'm, here, I'm, I'm, I've seen... Yeah, I've seen C.J. Hicks play from Alter. They list him as a defensive back. He's about six foot four. If you want to put someone in as a defensive athlete, that would be C.J. Hicks. We will get on more names for the class as we go forward. All right, this is the one you were looking forward to. Best and worst evaluations of your career. Give me one of each. 
Um, as far as best, I got to throw two out, and they were both in the same class. A.J. Hawk was a guy I just could not understand why people weren't seeing what I was seeing. Uh, that that class, I believe it was 2001, 2002, right in there, uh, he was just a dominant guy. And I kept hearing people talk, well, he's just a, a slow-footed uh, a hole plugger. And I said, no, he's not. Where are you getting this? Have you watched the film? He's not that. And the other guy would be in the same class, offensive guard, and I'm really proud of this one, uh, Rob Sims. Rob Sims was a guy, that was one of the first um, uh, magazines that I had put out with uh, Mr. Bucknuts. And I know this for a fact, 100% fact. Um, Jim Bowman saw that where I had Sims ranked, and he just wanted to make uh, all kinds of fun about it and and just how could he put that guy right there and, you know, forget about it. Six weeks later, we offer Rob Sims. He goes on to be a starter and play in the NFL. So, you know, that one right there, I just was like, yeah, okay. We we, we just learned something about Jim Bowman that is – <laughs> uh, not very flattering. This guy doesn't get it, and he didn't. He just did not have Rob Sims up there, and and uh, then uh, Jim Trestle comes in and says, "Yeah, we're offering this kid. Love it." As far as misses, well, there are two. Uh, one, I'm sure everybody missed on. I thought Connor Smith. I watched him in the playoffs that year play two full games his senior year, and I thought, my Lord, what what kind of – this kid right here, this is going to be a two-time All-American and a sure NFL player. He never come close to the starting lineup. When he did get in there, it was like a different kid, nothing like the kid that I saw play at the high school level. I, I just was shocked at how – Connor Smith played as a college athlete. It was like there was there was two different people. Uh, whoever showed up at the at the, the WAC uh, <laughs> uh, was not the same guy. A doppelganger. Something happened. I just could not believe what I saw on the field. I thought he would be a starter by his second year, no question. Like I said, two-time All-American. No, nothing. We got nothing out of him. The other one is Jamario O'Neal. Uh, I don't know how many people had Jamario O'Neal um, ranked as high as I did, but Jamario O'Neal, I saw him. I had filmed with Jamario O'Neal uh, back in the days of VHS. You sent a VHS with return postage to a coach. He'd send you a film back. I had film of Jamario O'Neal starting as a freshman. He was just incredible. You know, there's all that talk about him going to Glenville. I don't know if that would have changed anything or, or did change anything. But Jamario O'Neal, I thought, this is a three-and-out kid. Early in his, his career, I said, the way he's developing, as good as he is at this young age, that Jamario O'Neal is not going to be a real rock star. I 
you couldn't have told me. No way. And then to see the career he had, just what happened? Is this kid not working hard enough? What is going on here that this kid who was a super athlete, super fast, has just become a kid that's, you know, another football player? I didn't think that would ever happen with Jermaine O'Neal. As we went through this, for me, I realized a lot more misses than hits um, in terms of guys I thought would be great. I'll do the misses first. I consider Jerome Baker, even though he played, you know, decent and is doing really well now. I thought Jerome Baker was going to be the best linebacker ever. I just, he was the prototype NFL guy for me. Came in and showed flashes. He had a knack for turnovers and such. And then I was really disappointed in him by the time he left. There was a Michigan State game I remember watching where I really didn't think he even tried. I hate to say that out loud, but that was really disappointing. I'm glad he's become a better pro than he actually was a college player. I also considered putting Nathan Williams in there. I thought he was going to be a 15-sack ball as a senior, and he completely petered out, couldn't hack it physically, and got hurt. In terms of the guy I think I knew ahead of time, kind of cheating, but it's Chris Olave, and that's because his roommate as a freshman was Blue Smith, and Blue Smith's dad is my son's basketball trainer. And so he had told me early on that, man, they love Blue's roommate. They think he's awesome. And if you don't remember, Olave was a kid from California that we really didn't know that much about. If you told me this time next year Chris Olave was getting ready to get picked in the first or second round, it would not surprise me one bit. So that would be my hit. All right, next. No, we're not doing coronavirus talk because I'm not a doctor. I'm not an administration. And I'm sitting here in my house like everybody else. Who was the best quarterback to play at Ohio State? Urban recently said Haskins was. Curious of your thoughts. Who was the best to play at Ohio State? Not the most accomplished. So I take that to mean who's the most talented. Go ahead. Well, I, I mean, I, you got to look at Haskins. It just I was watching a film with him yesterday. I'm so desperate for football. I'm watching all kinds of – I'm going back so far with film. Uh I don't know how you can just say accomplished. I think that's the whole point in bringing it up is is he's the most accomplished. Uh, but I don't know how you cannot say that that arm talent, and that's what a quarterback is. You know, you go back and, and talk about, like, Kern was incredible. It's a ball handler, runner, uh, smart quarterback. But quarterbacks throw the football, and he was not a good passer. Uh, the other one I would have to say is uh, not the most gifted physically, but a kid that, that just uh, got it done, found a way to, to make plays, whether with his arm or with his feet, is Troy Smith. He was he was just outstanding at it. And then you've got uh, 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 Terrell uh, Pryor. Pryor. I mean, just a big athletic kid. I don't know how you can say he was a great quarterback so much as he was a great athlete. But uh, he was he was outstanding. If I was going to pick anybody out of there and say just the best, a guy I want under center, I'm going to need him to win a game, I would say Troy Smith because he was just as good with his feet as he was with his arms. And I, you can't say that about a prior. He just was a good passer, but obviously not good enough. 
always had a a strange funky arm motion just did not have the 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 over the top delivery like a haskins uh and haskins did run okay but it was all about throwing the ball if i need one drive and i'd need a guy to make plays for me uh arm and feet it's going to be troy smith so there's a couple of ways to interpret the question here when you say the word best and then he has dot, 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 not most accomplished. If you take into account size, speed, arm talent, running ability, there's no question the most talented quarterback ever played Ohio State is Justin Fields. It's not even close. We'll see how he turns out, but the rankings back it up. And as you sit here and say, what's Fields' weaknesses? They're all stuff that can be worked on. There's no physical limitation to his game whatsoever. Pryor was as good an athlete, but he threw the ball like enter in your joke here. And Troy Smith is about half the size of Justin Fields. So the Mount Rushmore of OSU Athletics, that's a whole show. Let's finish with this, because we are not answering what really happened before the BCS title game in 2007. That goes on the special double-secret probation site that we have that no one knows about. Urban Meyer's best coaching job. Was it turning the 2012 team from a clown show to undefeated or weathering all the storms in 2014 to win the Natty? I have to say uh, 2014. And, and, and here's one thing I have to look back at. Uh, look what Jim Trestle did with that roster before Luke Fickle went and did what he did. And then... Uh, you see Meyer come back and go undefeated with him. They lost one game with uh, with uh, Jim Trestle. So I think it, it you wouldn't think so much of the 12-0 and 0 if not for the one year with uh, with Fickle who wasn't ready. Let's, let's say that. He seems to have found his stride at Cincinnati, but he was not ready to be the, the, the head coach at that point to – go from winning 11 games to winning six games to to winning 12 games well what what's what's wrong with this picture the one year when you did not have uh, a coach like Jim Trestle or or uh, Irvin Meyer so I can't look at the 12 and0 with with I have to look back at what uh, Urban Meyer inherited Uh Luke Fickle didn't really use it well, and Urban Meyer did. So 2014, here's the thing. What what comes to mind with 2014? What do you think about? You think about Three quarterbacks. Ezekiel. <laughs> yeah, and you think about Elliott. And of the quarterbacks, the one with the least experience is the one that has, uh, you know, had the most impact, even though it hasn't been – what you would really call impactful uh, was the least experienced guy in in uh, Cardell Jones. So those are the things you look at. Uh, Devin Smith had a monster year that year, got him a first round draft pick. Uh, you know, those are the things you look at with that team that they were just so dominant, running and throwing. You know, the one thing that we all missed in 2015, I don't know what happened, what the thinking was. Okay, you've got Elliott. He's coming back. And you got Jones coming back. 
Well, what do you do? You do what you did to win the national championship. You run the best back in the game. And you put the big dude back there to just throw bombs, to keep the defenses. They can't let people get behind them. Ohio State's always going to have receivers that can get behind the defense if the defense is focusing on the run. So what did you have? You had the best of both worlds. You had a chance. How, what are you going to do about that offense? That that offense sputtered the next year, you got to go back and ask the coaches, what the hell were you thinking? You've got this in-between offense. You're not throwing the ball down the field. You're, you know, it just – and then they went, went to Barrett, and that didn't work. That team should have been so dominant. It should have been back-to-back championships. The defense was going to be more mature. That they did not get any further than they did is just – I I just say it. It was the, the worst coaching job of, of Urban Meyer's career. Yeah, 2014, when you look at that squad, man, was that team loaded. Ha! You're talking about guys, if you're an alumni development and you got to sign that team at Ohio State, you don't have to work very hard. There's a lot of millionaires in that group. Look at that thing. Eli Apple, Gary and Conley, Taylor Decker, Billy Price, Pat Elfline, Jeff Hireman, Nick Vanette, Michael Thomas, Zeke, Curtis Samuel. Those guys are making large dollars. That's just off the offense and some of the guys in the secondary. doesn't include Bosa, etc. We appreciate everybody sending in all the questions. Hope you enjoyed that. Have a good one, Bucknutters. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. 